Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first-time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, a podcast where two aspiring journalists sit down and talk baseball. I'm your host, Tyler Foy, and today, the reason I emphasize the word journalist is because we've had some changes happen here in the studio. Unfortunately, prior co-host Nathan Lannon has had to take a break, and he's having a, he's having a break from the podcast and academics in general. And to fill in the role of Nathan Lennon, our new co-host, who has been on the show before, in fact, even on the last episode that we ever recorded, uh, my apologies for that, um, Camilo Fonseca. Thank you for having me, Tyler. I'm uh, glad to be here. I'm excited to uh, bring this podcast forward. I got big shoes to fill. You do. You have some big shoes to fill. One of Nate's biggest qualities was um, always being, you know, kind of angry at the Mets. So we don't have that dynamic anymore. And maybe... Every once in a while, I'll be angry at the Mets, uh, as they are a franchise that has historically made terrible decisions. I mean, just horrible decisions. It's tough. We can't, okay, we can't slander it too much without Nate being here. Exactly. I think we're doing an injustice to that. But there's a lot of decisions that are being made in baseball, in fact. I think decisions is a great way to start this episode. We do need to give you guys a little bit of a recap. Of course, leading the last episode was an American League or just a divisional round preview of the Major League postseason. And, and it's been a long time since, obviously, we've sat here and recorded an episode. And that was due to a lot of different scheduling issues, um, just people coming down with illnesses during the time. It was difficult and i kind of just stepped away from the podcast for a while um but as many of you baseball fans know the championship series happened and the world series happened the atlanta braves winning the world series over the houston astros uh major major series major year for atlanta in general major upset honestly who would have picked atlanta to make it all the way they had the worst record of all the other postseason teams playing in a division that at one point only had maybe a one team that was barely over 500 in the middle of the season. I mean, it was it was a spectacle for sure, a spectacular finish to the major leagues. Um, and I, I couldn't have predicted it at all. I mean, I'm just simply not. For a team, yeah, I, I don't think I even predicted them to make it to the postseason, um, much less come out with rings at, at the end of October, you know? So that was it. Was a, certainly a very impl- impressive display. Um, obviously, it was great to see Houston lose. I think America, uh, the Braves, really earned the nickname "America's Team" this year. Yeah, and, nobody yeah, wanted to see the the Astros succeed. And then past all the winning of the World Series, we have award voting where. I don't know if you guys might have saw, but I correctly predicted that Shohei Otani was going to win MVP. I said it in the preseason. I said it in spring training. And what did he do? He went out there. Shohei Otani won the MVP. Uh, On the other side, we had... um, Who who was the NL MVP? Oh, my God. It was Bryce Harper, um, who I don't remember if we discussed it last time. I'm not a big fan of but he did have a very impressive season i don't know if he passed his 2015 numbers this year but they were still very very impressive numbers that he put up if nate was still here with us he would be 
shouting at the top of his lungs right now <laughs> about how much he dislikes Bryce Harper. Uh, but he won the MVP, and I, I think, you know, I mean, it was such a, a crazy season due to the fact, you know, Shohei Otani. There were so many different headlines and storylines that went out through the year. Um, so many different competitive players out there. Uh, you know, I think that the 2021 season will be um, one that is going to be referenced uh, by people in making different video docs or um, oh, just absolutely. for a long time. I think so. And a lot of different people that kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, you have the entire arc of the San Francisco Giants and the Red Sox who oh, were predicted to My not God. be any competitive teams. And then they were competitive teams, right? So, you know, you just, that's the beauty of sports. That's the beauty of baseball, right? To have these teams uh, go out there and perform at uh, a level like that, that you don't expect because you can't, you can't predict sports. You, you can try to, and you can use as much logic as you can. And then at the, the Braves the win day, the World Series. Right. And at the end of the day, Sports is sports, right? But as I mentioned, this episode is all about decisions. And one of the biggest decisions every single year are the decisions that the Baseball Writers Association of America make every single year. The Hall of Fame just got announced this past week that the most controversial ballot of all time, in my opinion, I think there won't yeah. be one for a long time. I don't think there's going to be that much controversy more than this i unless there's another big baseball scandal within the next couple years and some of these stars i mean you could make a case with uh some of the houston houston astros players when they eventually we'll talk about uh so long from a now bit. there are a couple of houston astros players up for hall of fame i think next year yeah which will be um very interesting to see how the how the hall looks at that and um, and so let's talk about the Hall of Fame. Once again, the results came out this past Wednesday, and the lone Hall of Famer that make it was a first ballot Hall of Famer. <sighs> Seemed, as my brother texted to me, he said it was like watching our childhood get elected into the Hall of Fame. And that would be David Ortiz. To me, not the greatest, but the most important player in Red Sox history was David Ortiz, and he was selected as a first ballot with 77.9%. But that isn't exactly why this ballot's controversial. No. Um, obviously, uh, one player got in, and a lot of players um, were left off the ballot, and many of them for the final time. Barry Bonds fell out, Roger Clemens fell out, Sammy Sosa, um, among others. So yeah, a lot of the players that were involved in baseball steroid scandal this was their last year of eligibility and the decision to not induct these players ultimately um it's gonna have big repercussions on on uh the hall going forward and a lot of people are not uh not super happy about this it's certainly been controversial how do you um remember the history of one of the most important uh if not tragic but um how would you describe the steroid era? Reprehensible, maybe. Eras in baseball, how that gets remembered, right? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely something along the lines of that. And, and I think the biggest debate for me when it comes to the Baseball Writers Association and the steroid debate and, and the voting is that you have to designate which players are going to get in and which players are going to get out. And you also have to designate, right, like 
you have these leaders. You have Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens as the top two people that people reference, and Sammy Sosa as well. As the three people you you reference during this time period, as well as Mark McGuire, of course. Um, but these players that didn't make it in the Hall of Fame that have all these accolades and statistics, um, you have to you have to take it all into account, I think. Um, but why don't we just start the conversation about should players that have used steroids be in the Hall of Fame? What is what do you think? It's a well, it's a tricky question, it's a certainly. Loaded. Question. Yeah. You know what? This would be first of all, this would be a lot easier if the Hall were to give uh, any sort of real guidelines on this issue, which I don't think they have. So it's up to basically every voter to make this decision for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, for most writer, more most baseball writers, Bonds and uh, and Clemens and the others haven't cut it, and I don't know if that's the way that we should be looking at this especially for these players that were left off this ballot. Barry Bonds was one of the greatest players in baseball arguably, of all time. Arguably the, the best player in baseball of right. all time. Right. He, has, he made an incredible impact on that Giants team. His numbers are off the chart. Breaking Hen, or Hank Aaron's home run record alone, you know, that, that should alone be enough to get him into the Hall of Fame. Obviously, the concerns with PEDs are um, very difficult for a lot of writers to get around. But I think that part of the issue here is that people don't really... They're not on the same page about what the Hall is. What is baseball's Hall of Fame here for? Is it for us to commemorate the greatest players of the sport? Or is it a museum of the history of baseball, of Major League Baseball? I think the Hall exists to tell the story of baseball, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can tell that story without Barry Bonds. To just ignore the contributions that he had in the period of time that he was playing is erasing a massive part of history. But the, this era of history, and of course it's very murky in baseball, baseball was on a steady decline following the strike um from uh, the 94 season to the 95 season, right? The Major League Baseball had. Following the strike and following all those um, things that were causing a decline in the sport, steroids brought baseball back into a back into the spotlight for a while. And, you know, of course, you're saying that you can't tell the story of the game without these players. But should we really be rewarding these these players for using steroids at this time, I don't know if I can if I can say that honoring to me the Hall of Fame is honoring the legacy and honoring the players of the game and what they did um, to contribute, of course, but also what they did on the field. And I don't know if rewarding these players for cheating and immortalizing them like that is the best way to go about it. And I, honestly, these guys' names, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Sammy Sosa. They're not going away anyways. I don't even know if the Hall of Fame matters to them in terms of their legacy on baseball. Well, Roger Clemens put out something, I think on his Twitter recently, that I thought was a very good uh, response to him being uh, left off the ballot in his 10th year, which uh, I don't remember exactly what it was. Essentially, he was saying that um, he had always expected this to happen and his he's not personally affected or angered or anything by... Um, by falling out of eligibility, right? That said, there are a couple points. First off, 
we talk about honoring the best players in baseball, both on and off the field, as major criteria for getting into the hall, as it should be. But we can't pretend like the people that are in the hall right now are exactly um, free from any uh, dirt on them, right? Because first off, we already have people in the hall that have been linked to PEDs. There's Ivan Rodriguez. There's Mike Piazza. There's um, some would who, say now David Ortiz. If you that's if true, you take that. That's out. true in two thousand three. But um, and there's also players in the hall that have less than stellar personal histories. Um, there are racist Cap Anson um, was I think a the one of the first six or so players in the hall who was ultimately responsible for the sports segregation for half a century you know um the hall of fame hall of famers aren't exactly paragons of virtue um and i think very few people still claim that now because there's so much evidence the contrary um those players are still in the hall because they are important to baseball story right Mm -hmm. and i think you would make you would have a very difficult argument trying to take cap anson and ty cobb um and mike piazza out of the hall because their contributions to the sport were so immense, even if a lot of these people uh, were reprehensible and they made some bad decisions, you know, at best, we can say some of these people made some bad decisions. And and I think that also causes another, you know, another, I think every single time you bring up the Hall of Fame and this specific ballot, you have so many different tangents. And the tangent with that one that I think about is, is how much does personality and personal image matter to the Hall of Fame now. People, a lot of people on social media saying if David Ortiz wasn't so liked by the media, then he wouldn't have made it to the Hall of Fame in general. Which, you know, you could make that case. You absolutely can. But it starts before we go into each individual player's history. You have to ask yourself, how much does personal image matter to the Hall of Fame? And the thing about sports now, and as I'm studying sports communications, I'm kind of learning more about this, just how much how much of globalization and how iconic players become because of their image and and how much these players are looked at as icons around the world to so many people and that these icons are now being able to represent the game's history is it's a big deal right i mean you have david ortiz who is representing not just an entire fandom of Red Sox fans across the world, but he's also beloved in many other countries and also trailblazed, sort of, not trailblazed because that was Edgar Martinez, but kind of this, um, how good a DH can really be and impactful to the game of baseball. Absolutely, yeah. He's representative of an era in which the Red Sox were certainly no no uh, pushovers, right? Um, and he was a major part of all those teams that um, mm. were so successful. I don't know if I would have had him on my first ballot, but I certainly think he deserves to be in the hall. You wouldn't have had him on your. You wouldn't have had him on your first ballot, eh? I don't know. Or yeah. as a first balloter, you wouldn't. Have I had don't him know on your if ballot. I would have had him on my first ballot. He he might be, and I'm not. I'm certainly not up in arms that he made it as a first balloter. And certainly, I think the the what you were saying about the importance that he had to the dh position and its recognition is certainly worth a lot of recognition right 
I don't know. There are for me, there were other players, um, not in their first year of eligibility, that maybe should have gotten in that were not able to that I would have liked to have seen inducted into the hall. And that's where we come back around to the steroids. It's such an interesting bout. There's so many different ways to take it. I want to stay on personal image one more before we we move back to the steroid aspect of the Hall of Fame. Because, of course, we have a bunch of players now, past, post-career, that are messing up and doing all different types of things to mess up their chances of being in the hall of fame now we talk about the racists that are in the hall of fame but we don't talk about we're not talking about um andrew uh andrew jones and duis we're not talking about um you know kurt schilling and all the tons of things that kurt schilling has said right these players that are now post-career how much does it matter post-career right about creating an image that is reputable of the hall of fame right i think that there's a major debate between on whether the Hall of Fame should care about the on-field during career actions versus the post-career actions. And I, I think that's causing a lot of problems too. Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, that personal image is, is certainly playing uh, an outsized, maybe not outsized, but a, a significant role in how a lot of these players are being assessed. For Bonds, my thing is is that you cannot... In my view, cannot tell this era of baseball without at least a recognition of the steroid era, which, like it or not, Barry Bonds is almost synonymous with at this point. Mm -hmm. Can you tell the story of baseball without Kurt Schilling? Can you tell the story of baseball without, I don't even know, without... Scott uh, Rowland, who didn't make the Hall this year? Right. Uh, I, I think that's something that you can definitely argue. I'm on the side of maybe not the storylines of baseball, but I am definitely on the side that I'm in, I'm in the side of consistency. And the thing about the Balco scandal and also the 20, 2003 list of players that came out that tested positive for a substance, which have been linked to actually people being able to test positive for substances that were legal. But, I mean, it just... Barry Bonds never officially tested positive for a steroid test, for PEDs. He never officially tested positive. But we know that he did it. We know that th these things have happened in our sport. And I'm on the side that, you know, these players shouldn't be in the hall. I, I don't think that in terms of representing the game, because now we have the issue of the players that were at a disadvantage. You have the claims that, Everybody was doing steroids during this time. Everybody was doing it. So if everybody was doing it, then why are the players that were placed at a disadvantage who weren't doing it, that are on the bout, like Rowan, like Jeff Kent, um, you know, why aren't their stats being put on maybe not a pedestal, but why aren't they getting as many looks if they were at a disadvantage in a time where everybody was cheating? If they were at a disadvantage, they should have the... Um, just some sort of... The benefit of the doubt. Right. Right. I, well, I agree with you. I don't think... I, I think that you can't look at one player's stat... Like, you can't look at Barry Bonds' stats as a case to put him in the hall without looking at the stats of those around him that have not been connected to PEDs. But even without steroid usage, you can you could still make a case for Barry Bonds to be in the hall, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't know if ESPN put out a article, I think about a month ago, where they use zips, which is like a projection uh, stat. I think you you know it. Um, and Barry Bonds' numbers are deflated, certainly, but they're still um, the projections are still hall worthy and they're certainly on par of some other players that are in the hall that's that's actually one of my favorite angles to look at this and i'm only saying that they shouldn't belong in the hall based off of what we know now right and not the hypothetical that's true this is all hypothetical but i do like if obviously if you've looked at the stats pre-1997 on barry bonds and roger clemens you'd see you know how great of a baseball player they were. I mean, Barry Bonds being a 400-400 player, um, maybe just at the start of when he started doing steroids, right? I mean, being the only player to have that kind of stat line in history, right? So if you look at their pre-steroid, well, I put it in air quotes because there's no way you could tell exactly when, despite um, some alleged uh reports 2001 they say that's what they say and that's what you know but that could also just be people covering their that's true you know there's so much we don't know about this so much that is hypothetical that actually you know what i think jose canseco was right obviously jose canseco you know he knew everything obviously if you've read (laughs) genius read anything that jose canseco has written um then you you probably tell you you probably would know you know (laughs) everybody was doing it of course and um, obviously, that gives a great case for himself. Right, um, of course. The Conseco shake was synonymous around the league. But, you know, I think just looking at their pre, pre-steroid, in air quotes, uh, career stats are is an interesting conversation to have, whether or not they deserve just based off of those alone. This would be a lot easier, I think, if the Hall would put down some clear guidelines on <laughs> who should be considered and who shouldn't be considered. Um Right, but I mean, in in general, we would never have guidelines. We shouldn't have guidelines because I think it makes it a lot more fun and mysterious. I oh certainly <laughs> it certainly makes it mysterious, um, <laughs> because I think there was a I, there was a part there of the earlier this year where it looked like they had a chance to make it in because they were they were polling certainly above right, but well above the seventy five percent. Obviously, that always falls off when it gets closer. Um, to the actual induction or not the induction the um results results that's the word (laughs) yes the the results of the ballot i do love going on twitter and reading you know as the ballots come out because you know every single year that the ones that aren't being publicly announced are the ones that are the journalists that are like i don't know i don't want to get this flack right now well how short was barry bonds this year like five percent no ten percent Yes, more ten percent. Like it was nine percent, basically. I mean, he had sixty-six point something, and oh, Clemens okay. had sixty-five point something, I think. But I mean, the main case is that they didn't make the hole, right? And one player did make the hole, who has been linked with PEDs, of course, saying that it, you know, was a supplement at the time that could have been, you know, legal at the time. But you have David Ortiz, who does get inducted. A similar case, Sammy Sosa also was on that list. Yes. Who has not been test- who has not tested positive um, officially. But he had six- three years straight with 60, year- 60 home runs in a season, right? Oh, absolutely. And, I think, you know, Sammy Sosa, you know, despite 
having a lot of other image-related um, issues, of course, is in a similar boat as David Ortiz, besides the fact that he th- wasn't playing or popping off. His peak of his career was at the time of the height of the steroid era, which has hurt Sammy Sosa's um, reputation. Right. Um, and Sammy Sosa obviously is not very popular with a lot of people in baseball for a lot of reasons. He's certainly not popular with the Cubs anymore. Yes. Um, so... I mean, also Barry Bonds. Um, one, Barry Bonds hated the media, and they right. had a beef. But people that have played with Barry Bonds said that like he was just completely egotistical, and, and mm-hmm. they, they hated playing with Barry or whatever. But I think that shouldn't matter. My thing is, is I am not going to go to bat for every player that used PEDs, that they should all be considered for the Hall, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, so many people have already been uh, dropped eligibility. Like, I can't imagine them voting Sammy Sosa in without Mark McGuire being in, Mm -hmm. right? That's just unfathomable to me, and to a ton of people, probably. Bonds, I think, in my personal view, is different just because of his importance and, and you keep you keep mentioning the importance and impact but i mean are you going out to say that the home run race between mcguire and sosa that predates us living of course which is true yeah. is more impactful or is less impactful sorry than bonds is what getting intentionally walked with the bases loaded and being the most <laughs> feared hitter in baseball i i don't know if you know and Bonds, of course, chasing records definitely brought eyes, but I don't think that in terms of impact, I don't know if Barry Bonds is exactly the most impactful guy. And in fact, I think what Barry Bonds has done is taken away accolades that Albert Pujols should have had <laughs> with his seven MVPs that Bonds has. And of course, if he wasn't using steroids in his dwindling career, and Albert Pujols, who was amazing to start his career, the, in my opinion, the best player of the 2000s, best hitter of the 2000s, was Albert Pujols. He was, I, I think there's the debate between him or Jeter, whoever was the best player of the 2000s. Those are the typical two that get named. And I always say Pujols. I think Pujols was just the better player, the better hitter, um, statistically. But Barry Bonds, in post 35 years old, not only popping off on the field, but also taking away from the those players in their younger years um, to build up their career accolades. Sure. sure. But nobody, I don't think anybody thinks less... I certainly don't of Albert Albert Pujols, for example, because he doesn't have the MVPs that Barry Bonds has. But imagine if he did. If imagine he did. if he did being legit all the way. Besides the idea that a, some people believe that he faked his age, he lied about his age. But that's the only thing that Albert Pujols has on him <laughs> is that he's actually older than he is, which would be really funny if that came out. Because have, if you guys have seen Albert Pujols run, my goodness, <laughs> my goodness, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you can certainly make an argument. So you, if... you, you think you think Barry Bonds is more important than Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa? Well, that's what I'm saying. I think you could certainly make an argument for McGuire and Sosa to be in with Bonds because of their importance. Um, I don't know. I, I'm more focused on Bonds because he's the one... That got dropped off this year. That got dropped off and this Sammy year. S- that had a real chance to. Because nobody thought Sammy Sosa was going to make... Uh, the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, 
especially not with he pulled something like what 20 percent this year like it was abysmally a, bad it was not great for a, a player that has the statistical accolades and, and that that he does have right but yeah sammy sosa i mean just once again i i love how controversial this ballot is i do i love chaos in a lot of senses and i love how how the media has become just so pinned against each other and watching the debates online and seeing just what people think and in my um sports and society class we actually took a poll and the class was split 50 50 on whether or not they believe these players should be in the hall of really? fame yeah i was in a class full of athletes and they were they were split it was uh, an interesting um i didn't think it was going to go that way i thought i was going to be in a minority of people saying that they shouldn't but all these athletes that were in the classroom were like we can't reward cheating we can't they they don't believe that they should and then the couple baseball fans in the class that weren't athletes were talking about how these players have had an impact on the game. I think there's a real discrepancy. But you look at major leaguers now, and major leaguers advocate for them to be in the Hall of Fame. Right. It's so interesting. I I, I love this debate. Yes. Um, and it makes you think, is this the last uh, year that we're going to have steroid usage um, as a major controversy talking point? in a hall of fame selection absolutely not this is this is not the last time we will hear this we will be hearing this for the next few years for sure was alex rodriguez battles for his claims to be in the hall of fame right oh alex rodriguez i hate that guy so i cannot much. imagine that's my thing as i cannot imagine a hall of fame with alex rodriguez and not with barry bonds as a red sox fan of course i have a very biased perspective but as well as just a baseball fan Alex Rodriguez cheated in a different era of baseball. He also left a stand on the MLB in multiple ways. Alex Rodriguez cheated years after the Balco scandal inside the Biogenesis scandal. Great name, by the way. I love mm-hmm. the Biogenesis, you know, how impactful that was. But he was a different breed. He's he's also in the same boat as Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame uh, because he cheated like twice or three times. Like, I mean, <laughs> Manny Ramirez was a habitual not cheater. a clean slate um, at all. But uh, he, you know, he also was biogenesis. Manny Ramirez was the reason that Alex Rodriguez cheated. So I mean, it's a very interesting thing. If you've watched Screwball, that's what they say at least that Manny Ramirez was the reason a Rod cheated because manny ramirez was taking a substance he tested positive and then alex rodriguez was like give me whatever that guy's taking and then history was made to me the thing is i don't know the inconsistency which the hall but not specifically the hall just the major league baseball in general has approached these scandals because there's a very clear i think decision to sort of criticize and um point out and and call attention to a lot of these players who were cheating which i again i am in no way defending the use of peds in this time period Mm -hmm. um whereas you have people like uh bud salig commissioner of baseball who's in the hall who arguably knew about this this scandal the entire time or the crisis rather the entire time that it was happening and did virtually nothing because it was sending ratings up and it was increasing ticket sales which it certainly did um i don't think any commissioner should be part of 
Oh, well, neither do I, but... Uh... At least not be called. <laughs> they can be somewhere in that building, sure. If the if the Hall of Fame is supposed to tell the history of baseball, of course, you can't you can tell the history of baseball beside, without the people that were um, in control of the major leagues. But I don't like to think of these commissioners as Hall of Famers, and so to say. But I do think they belong somewhere in there. But to say that, you know, this guy's a Hall of Fame commissioner is is a weird thing especially with the transgressions that happened oh, I, under his i can't wait for rob manfred in his case <laughs> to put himself in the hall gary bettman did that in the nhl recently oh, is that so yeah although gary bettman's different he's been around for like what like 20 years 30 years mm-hmm. um oh man rob manfred we'll get the whole conversation about rob manfred oh in the next God. episode of the two scene podcast so excited for that but let's 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 really start getting down into some of these other conversations and we're now talking about a rod so i want to bring back david ortiz because they play it at the same time right you have a a rod who is a yankee and david ortiz who's a red Sox, and um david ortiz who's liked a rod who was hated for from a lot of people for a long time you know he's done a lot of good things to uh, kind of rebuild his image uh, I'll still not want to listen to a damn thing he says in any of the broadcasts. Oh, neither do I. Um, you know, it, it's 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 Rays fans don't exactly love a Rod either. Um, <laughs> um, but but I want to bring it back to the 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 steroid era and and just this Hall of Fame ballot. More specifically, this Hall of Fame ballot. Um, David Ortiz gets in. I would like to talk about David Ortiz a little bit. Let me be happy. I was ecstatic. I was inside of one of my classes. I was actually sitting next to Camilo in that class. And um, I had known that he was already elected or inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, I was watching it on my computer. Sorry, Dad. I wasn't paying attention in class. I was watching the Hall of Fame. You're paying good money for those classes. We are. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, But we uh, were... I was paying attention to the Hall of Fame induction because I was nervously shaking and waiting and then it happened, and I had to be quietly celebrating. And then Camilo gets the notification on his phone, and he looks at me, and I just nod my head at him. I just nodded my head at him. I knew why he looked at me. I knew exactly why he looked at me. And I, I, I was ecstatic. And David Ortiz, I mentioned earlier, was, to me, the most... From, from my understanding, of course, uh, I'm such a young, young person who doesn't know much, right? But my understanding, he's the most impactful player in red sox history because you don't have the red sox at this level of play without him without him extending uh the 2004 american league championship series without him hitting 600 in the 2013 world series without him hitting the home run without david ortiz you don't have the red sox on any sort of list of the best team of the 2000s or you don't have him you don't have the Red Sox even really peaking at, I mean, we wouldn't know, but he broke the curse. He was one of the people that broke the curse, but also just contributed to the globalization and nationalization of the Red Sox organization and people obviously seeing that this is like creating a championship culture. You don't have that without David Ortiz. So that's why I believe he's the most important player in Red Sox history. Sure. I would agree with that um yeah he certainly deserves to be in the hall of fame um he certainly has the numbers he has the 
the reputation, um, any, you know, steroid allegations that may be made against him can be, I think, pretty fairly easily dismissed. Um, and I, let's, let's, let's move off from David Ortiz. I love talking about David Ortiz, but, uh, we're getting to the point of the episode where we have to move to the other subjects that we have and they might be a little quicker, but let's talk about those players that are still on the ballot that have a chance and let's start talking about their cases a little bit. I have a couple. I have a couple cases. Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Scott Rowland, all three of those players, Jeff Kent too probably, uh, should probably get a little more recognition, but with these bigger players coming off the ballot and now Scott Rowland has had a a massive movement online to get him into the Hall of Fame, which uh, has been pretty interesting. I like, I like Scott Rowland and Todd Helton and Billy Wagner to be in the Hall. I think those three players, because what Billy Wagner represents is an era of baseball where the reliever role was not as important as it is today. Many starters were going into the games way longer. So many more full, complete games, right? That was like the era. Um, pitchers finishing games and all that. Um, but Billy Wagner made a whole career for himself as a closer, which most relievers do, and was able to have some significance on the game of baseball. So what happened this year was Joe Nathan and Billy Wagner, very comparable you know, relievers, one falls off the ballot with only 17 votes and less than 5%. One stays on with 51%. I'm rooting for Billy Wagner to get in the Hall of Fame. I think he is the only type of relievers that are going to make it in the Hall of Fame are closers, which, you know, because relievers don't technically have too much impact on the game, but the closer does apparently. And I think that he's up there with the other closers that, or he's amongst the best closers of the history of the game, and he deserves to be in there. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I think, um, I don't know if he will get in next year. Um, I would like to see him in next year. I would have liked to see him in this year. Um, he certainly has, uh, the numbers to rank alongside those relievers that are already in the hall, which I looked it up. There are only eight, um, relievers that are in the hall, seven of which are human, one of which is the Sandman. Um, (laughs) yeah. Right. And w- one of which, Dennis Eckersley, you know, half of his, or at least a third of his career, he was a starter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's six dedicated relievers um, for the modern era that are currently in the Hall of Fame. And Billy Wagner has better numbers, or at least a better ERA, than several of them. Than I think, what is it, Hoffman, Sutter Smith is what I have here. So I think he's certainly worthy of the conversation. Um the issue is, is that I think that Hall of Fame voters are not disposed to putting relievers, um, mm-hmm. closers and relievers in general in the hall, um, which, you know, makes sense because they have, they do have in theoretically less of an impact on the game, right? Right. Um, Billy Wagner is sixth in the majors for career saves, right? He has, what is this, 422 saves? Um, which is a very impressive feat, um, especially for the amount of years that he played, which I think is less than relievers typically are. So uh, I don't have the his exact career numbers here, but um, yes, I I definitely would love to see Billy Wagner in next year. Um, it's a shame that Joe Nathan 
uh, fell off this year because I think he also was worthy of at least Hall of Fame uh, consideration. To see him fall off without the requisite number of votes is uh, disappointing. The issue with Billy Wagner, I think that some people have pointed out, is that he doesn't have as heavy of a workload as the other relievers that are in the hall. I think he has he only has around 900 innings pitched, where I think everybody else has over 1,000, which is tough. But I, I think that the rest of his numbers indicate that he is worthy of being considered one of the best uh, relievers of all time, especially in an era where, like you were saying, uh, the role of the closer wasn't as cemented as it now is. And I think part of it is because of of his consistency. There were right? great closers too, though. I mean, K-Rod who came after that and, and um, oh, man. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying it's only him. On, yeah. But um, he is certainly part of the evolution of the closer as a dedicated role. Mm-hmm. Um, and he performed very well um, on a bunch of different teams. So, you know, I would like to see that sort of recognition hopefully next year and um and and the other player that i mentioned was todd helton who's being constricted because the ballpark that he played in which i think is another crazy and interesting angle to look at um a baseball player right because he played at Coors field with the elevation in colorado todd helton's apparently his hitting statistics should be it should be looked differently I, I i mean they should be sure but i don't think it's as crazy as a lot of the uh voters are making it out to be yeah i think i i would agree with you there um and i you know i think statistically he deserves to be in the hall of fame mm -hmm. he has the exact average amount of jobs which is 54.2 um to of the average hall of famer that's a first baseman it's just that he played at cores and i think that conversation can be held um all the way off until next year but the players that we won't be able to talk about next year are the players that got dropped off the ballot. And there are some pretty decent names, reputable names, that maybe aren't Hall of Famous, Famers, but definitely deserved another year of consideration that dropped off just because of how good some of the other players on the ballot are this year. Um, I know you have a certain connection mm -hmm. to a certain player that got dropped off. But before we get into certain players in their cases, the players that did not make the cutoff this year, Joe Nathan, Tim Hudson, Tim Lincecum, both Tims, off. Ryan Howard, Mark Teixeira, Justin Morneau, Jonathan Papelbon, another closer, uh, Prince Fielder, AJ Pruszynski, Carl Crawford, and Jake Peavy. Out of these people that just got knocked off, I would say that at least four of them should get another, should have had another year of consideration. Mm -hmm. um, whether or not I believe that they should make it in the Hall, actually all of them I don't believe are Hall of Famers, but... Uh, just based off statistics, but I do believe they deserved another year. But what does another year do anyways, right? Right. Well, it wouldn't get them in the Hall of Fame. Um, I don't, you're right. I don't know any of those players are necessarily Hall of Fame material. But yeah, I will Joe say... Joe Nathan was the only one that we were... Oh, that's true. That's Joe Nathan. I forgot about that. But at this point, um, I don't think... I mean, if Joe Nathan's polling 4.3%, he's not he's making, not making it. it if, so. I'll tell you what, though. If... Billy Wagner makes it in. Uh, Joe Nathan's career numbers are not that far off. Right. So I think that you could have uh, uh, the Today's Game. Is that's the committee that look at him? Today's Game? Something like that. I don't, I don't remember what the Hall calls all its like, billions of committees. Baseball writers. 
No, it's oh. not. It's not them because they would have. Because uh, they can't look at him anymore because he's already been on the. Ballot. Oh, you mean? I mean, after falling off the ballot, right? If they'll give him a second look. Okay. Um, which I think is possible if Billy Wagner makes it in. But, uh, Joe Nathan's numbers are a little bit lower. Why don't you talk about the player that was very impactful to, I guess, you, but to me, he has a very different storyline. <laughs> yes. Um, the face of the Rays for a very point. long time, um, especially when the Rays were bad. Um, really bad. Were really, really bad. He was one bright spot on that team. Um from what 2002 to 2007 before they got the world series run is Carl Crawford um he was uh what four-time all-star two-time MVP um it was very um sad as a Rays fan who grew up hearing Carl Crawford's name at Tropicana Field to see him fall off the ballot without a single vote. He was one of two players that didn't receive a single vote. Carl Crawford and Jake Peavy did not receive a single vote. Carl Crawford got less votes, obviously having zero, than A.J. Pruszynski. <laughs> I don't think A.J. Pruszynski deserved a vote, but A.J. Pruszynski got two more votes than Carl Crawford. I don't think... I, yeah, I don't think Carl Crawford is a Hall of Famer. Um, I think his career peak was far too short, and his career was far too short as well. He only played, what, how was it, 14 years? And pretty much after he left Tampa um, in 2010, 2010-11, um, he was not the same player that he was in Tampa. Um, and obviously that's where you know him from when he was with the Red Sox. I know he had a couple injuries then and then of um, course being a part of that trade to the the dodgers you know in, in his time in boston though uh he made a lot of uh interesting sliding attack catch attempts uh and he did that quite frequently also when he was on the dodgers i don't think he was the biggest baseball iq guy but <laughs> i don't have a crazy amount of you know any dislike towards carl crawford well he was a damn good base runner um especially with the rays you know i think he led the league in stolen bases uh, several years, um, if but, I can check. But these people, so going forward, you know, these people that were left off the ballot for, are going to be left off the ballot next year, um, you know, the two I look at are Prince Fielder and Tim Lincecum. And I think Prince Fielder had a career-shortening injury, uh, very, you know, unfortunate. He's not a Hall of Famer, um, and I don't even know if you gave him the years he would have eventually made it because uh, he was kind of on a on a decline in his career due to injury, of course. But for Tim Lincecum, which also you talk about the peak being too short, another player where the peak was short-lived um, but impactful to baseball. I think there was an, an era where Felix Hernandez and Tim Lincecum defined um, an era of pitching, a time period of four years span yeah. of pitching. Mm-hmm. Um Tim Lincecum absolutely deserved another year on the ballot, another year of recognition. Uh, Tim Lincecum was an amazing pitcher. What year was this for him? Was this his first? Yeah, this was definitely his first. Yeah. No, I would agree. I I think, again, don't think he is necessarily a Hall of Famer, but it is harsh to see so many of these players fall off so quickly. And when you're Tim Lincecum and you are a starting pitcher – right, that has accolades and has 
He's a two-time Cy Young winner. He's a four-time All-Star. He's a three-time World Series winner. That all three of those with the um, San Francisco Giants. And you're being posed against a seven-time Cy Young winner, Roger Clemens. People are typically going to vote for Roger Clemens <laughs> over you. So I just not think, enough people. Not enough. Not too many people for Tim Lincecum. Right. And I think that overall, you're right. It's just comes back to the steroid conversation of these players that have these high statistics being held at this level and the ones that were doing it right being held at a different level. Um, and there, there, there just seems to be this discrepancy. But I think Tim Lincecum deserved another year on the ballot. Great player, of course. Um, you know, that, that era that we're talking about um, from 2008 to 2011, really, uh, you can... That that was it, cause he did have a career. He had a bad career drop off. I mean, terrible. Like he's not a Hall of Famer, but damn, was he good at one point? Yeah, if you asked me in two thousand eight or two thousand ten, if I thought Carl Crawford was a, a Hall of Famer, I'd say he was. Yeah, I'd say he probably would have been a uh, at least a fifth ballot Hall of Famer. Um, Interesting year choice to. To select right there in the middle. I think we tend to see that trend very often anyways. You know, Todd Helton has been growing every single year. He went from 20% to 44% from 2019 to 2020. Uh, or I think from 2020 to 2021, maybe. Before this year. And then this year, he went to 51% from 44%. So we're seeing growth for him. We're seeing growth for Scott Rowan. We're seeing growth for many of these players. And, and maybe your projection would have been right had he kept up his career and didn't Had he have stayed it. in Tampa. Had um, he, you think the, the I think he would have done was... better in Tampa. Um I don't know. I think a lot I think it was very clear that he was not comfortable in Boston. Um I don't know. I think it's a shame to to dive into these sort of hypotheticals. Uh, maybe the Rays would have stayed on the map a little bit longer if if they'd had Carl Crawford around. Who knows? Um, I think it's certainly possible that this would be a different conversation if he'd been playing in the trop till 2014 or 15 or however much the the peanuts contract that the Rays front office offered him in 2010. Interesting. I, I don't I don't know exactly about that take completely, but once again, you're, you're living you have to live in that hypothetical to even get to that point, right? We've kind of had a longer podcast today just because you know, guys, we're back. First off, we're back. We're celebrating. I mean, like, there's a lot of other things we could have covered, and I think our Hall of Fame discussion is, you know, I think it deserves a long episode, and I think you guys deserve a long episode. You guys haven't had this podcast in a long time, and uh, I don't know how much you guys like to listen to my voice, but hey, Camilo's here it's a now. a fresh start. So, Absolutely. I mean... All right, so I have here a list of the potential candidates for the Hall of Fame next year. Um, I'm going to list them off, um, and then you can do like a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Um, and we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll... and then that's going to go over in the audio podcast. Right, really right. Well. Give me like a verb, like a mm-hmm or a mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll or a mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, I'll tell you what. There are a lot of these players that I'm going mm-hmm, and a lot of these players that I'm going mm-hmm. I'm not seeing a lot of uh, uh, strong candidates, but I'll go through the list. So number one, we have Carlos Beltran. Are you asking? Go ahead. I deserve. I think yeah. Obviously, he deserves to be on the ballot. Um, is he a Hall of Famer? 
Let's get into that after we list all. I won't give you my mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Okay, yeah. okay. John Lackey. Ugh. Jared, <laughs> Jared Weaver. Jacoby Ellsbury. Matt Cain. Johnny Peralta. Jason Worth, J.J. Hardy, Mike Napoli, Aaron Hill, and Bronson Arroyo. All, obviously, all these players retired following the 2017 season with 10-plus seasons of service time. And then of also, we have R.A. Dickey, uh, Francisco Rodriguez, of course, K-Rod, one of the best um, re- closers to do it. He has the single-season save record. Uh, the rest of the players that are a potential here I don't think have any other chance Uh I do like to see Steven Drew, but obviously not a Hall of Famer by any chance. But hey, 2013 World Series champion right there. Joaquin Benoit, 2013 American League Championship Series loser. Loser. He does not deserve to be in this Hall of Fame ballot, but he deserves to be somewhere in Red Sox history because he gave up that grand slam to David Ortiz that led the Red Sox to beating the Detroit Tigers. So... Big plays by Joaquin Benoit. Love that guy. Just for giving, you know, obviously he felt bad for us. He just wanted to throw that meatball that he gave David Ortiz, and David Ortiz sent this it over the monster. This display is disgusting. It was. I, I hate this so much. Mike Napoli, also, you know, Jacoby Ellsbury, John Lackey. A lot of uh, 2013 stars on this list that um, make me smile. Bronson Arroyo, former Red Sox, that make me smile to see them on the potential added players, but. None of them, none of the people that I just mentioned will be making any sort of Hall of Fame talk. But Carlos Beltran and uh, Francisco Rodriguez are the two players that are on this list by baseball reference. That's where we're looking at the potential. Once again, it's an unofficial uh, projection of who will be on the ballot. Um, But Carlos Beltran and K-Rod are the only two people on this list that I can really see making a real case to make it in the hall of fame oh that's right carlos beltran career statistics two twenty seven hundred hits 435 home runs basically the conversation 300 stolen bases with a uh career batting average 279 on base percentage 350 uh ops plus of 119 you know nate would have loved to have this conversation because obviously being a former Met and such. But, you know, I think the conversation with Carlos Beltran is how much... Because there's certain benchmarks, right, that have been considered if you get 3,000 hits, if you get 500 home runs, you have a really good chance of hitting the Hall of Fame, right? Those are the benchmarks for hitters. And he falls just underneath many of those. Of course, having 300 stolen bases, being a 300-300 baseball player is definitely going to help his case. But... He's he's falling just underneath that. I still think that he should, based off of statistical analysis with his 70 career war, be in the Hall of Fame. Definitely being one of the top nine-time All-Star Rookie of the Year. Uh, the one thing that is going to tarnish him is him playing a major role in that 2017 World Series. What happened in the 2017 World Series, Tyler? Oh, well, <laughs> I don't think I remember what uh, what happened then. No, obviously the sign-stealing scandal is not going to improve his chances. This is, t- is difficult, because it's not the same as the steroid scandal where it affects his numbers, right? Carlos Beltran was a great baseball player without um, stealing signs. That's 
I think, fairly obvious. So the conversation isn't about his worthiness on the field to be in the hall. Where I think the, the tricky thing is, is that he was not only part of the sign-stealing scandal, he was arguably one of the ringleaders um, on the Astros team of what went down um, in uh, the video conference room of the Astros. And I think you have to look at, right, how much of an impact does that have on his career, too? I mean, you the thing that Beltran lost was his credibility, right? Because Beltran isn't now. If he doesn't do that, then there's no history of him ever cheating. And that means there's no question about, or there's no questioning his career and his career choices, right? If he's willing to cheat at age 40, he might have been willing to cheat at an earlier stage of his career. But in in Houston, he only hit, he hit 231, had a terrible season. Of course, his last season um, in the MLB uh, didn't do anything special or spectacular besides be a ringleader in that scandal. And one of the things is asking whether or not does that tarnish his credibility and his reputation enough that it hurts his entire career? I don't think it does. Well, I think the big problem with the Hall, like I said before, is consistency, right? Right. Carlos Beltran is a great baseball player who has had his credibility irreparably tarnished. Why is he going to go in the Hall and shoeless Joe Jackson can't be in the Hall? Or any of the other players on the Black Sox, right? Because they were... A lot of them were very good baseball players that should have been considered for the Hall of Fame or would have had they not, uh, you know, made that choice. I'm not trying to draw an equal sign of from the Black Sox scandal to the sign ceiling scandal, but it is certainly the biggest non-PED related scandal that baseball has seen probably since 1919, mm-hmm. right? I think that has to factor in. I don't know if... These players, while great baseball players that, you know, have gone untarnished with PED usage um, and have the numbers to be in the hall, I think if you're making moral judgments about 1919, you should be able to make moral judgments about 2017. I I, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation that's going to be brought up about his whole entire career. Uh, I'm excited to see the debates that come out of it. Uh, and I, I'm excited next year when we get to... or little less than next year when we get to do this again and get to kind of discuss the Hall of Fame likeness. Um, And if he is on the ballot during that time, just looking at how much he's hurting his chances and seeing how much the social media... Because social media is a great place to watch people freak out. Um, Oh, yeah. And uh, people are going to freak out. People are going to say a lot of different things. Uh, Once again, the other player that I have to make it uh, first, uh, personally, uh, that's going to be added is Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod, um, another closer, right? And here comes it again. Billy Wagner gets in. Francisco Rodriguez needs to get in. It's, it's a must, I think. Francisco Rodriguez playing for uh, from 2002 to 2017. He pitched nearly 1,000 innings, right? 1,000 innings. He got 437 saves. Six-time All-Star. Six-time All-Star, of course. And... Even in the dwindling years of his career, he was still putting out... I mean, in 2014, he had 44 saves, 38 saves, 44 saves again in 2016, and then retired in 2017, having a uh, 
not a great season. Not a great season for him. You know, not every get player gets to end on their career high. So, but I think he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He had a 1.15 whip um, in his career over all those innings pitched. You know, ERA, ERA plus at 148. I just, I definitely believe that these closers had a significant impact on their team, uh, their teams that they've played. Um, and I just think that he should get into the hall just like Billy Wagner. Uh, these two relievers seem to me as too impactful to not be in. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. Um, and you know, that opens the door for these other pitchers that are currently pitching to be in the hall. Like, uh, I don't know, Craig Kimbrell. Um, Aroldis Chapman. That's not what I was going to say. Aroldis Chapman's not a Hall of Famer for a lot of other reasons. Uh, Right. But it opens the door for them to at least enter consideration. Because uh, where they are right now, obviously, they still have some seasons to play. Where they are right now is not close to the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Um, But if Billy Wagner and K-Rod and maybe Joe Nathan get in, that conversation begins to shift a little bit. It's it's about setting the standard, I think. And what these guys are doing is they're setting the standard. And we're going to have many conversations moving forward about setting the standard and, and all of that. But I think we've gone on long enough this episode. We've made our cases. We've talked about the steroid era. And I think that is going to do it for this episode of the Two Scene Podcast. So we were very happy to be back. And we were very excited to do this episode Um Camilo, thank you so much for taking on this new role of yours. How did it feel to be, of course, not the first time on the pod, but the first time in a bigger shoe? Well, I don't think I was completely out of my depth. Um, certainly, uh, mostly out of my depth. Um, <laughs> but my head was above the water. So, uh, yeah, thank you for bringing me on. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the Two Scene Podcast. Um, and you know, we're excited to, to continue. We're excited to put out the next episode. Uh, the next episode will be focused on the MLB lockout and everything that's happened, uh, recapping, of course, everything that's happened since, uh, that one episode where, uh, we just decided we're not going to do it anymore. So <laughs> we got to recap baseball. We got to look at the lockout. We're going to be very excited to talk about that. We haven't planned out exactly what day that episode's going to be coming out on, but uh, look out for probably we're probably going to upload just once a week until the season starts picking up and then we have more topics to talk about but in the off season we're probably just going to have a little bit of a relaxed schedule um, but if you guys did enjoy our sports takes you guys can follow us on social media uh, my twitter is tyler underscore underscore foy uh, my twitter is fonseca underscore esq that's f-o-n-s-e-c-a-f as in frank O-N-S-E-C-A. <laughs> Say it like a television right. ad. Um, but you can follow us on social media. You can also follow the Two Seamed um, podcast account at the Two Seamed Pod. Um, but that was this episode of the Two Seamed Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you guys again on the next episode.